Hi, I'm Anna Burt, and I'm Sue's daughter. Hi, I'm Emily Benito. I'm Trudy's daughter. Though our mums are both dead, the fact doesn't change. We're both adapting to living our lives without our mums, and know we are very much not the only ones. We have joined forces to create a podcast in the hope that we can provide what we feel we needed and still need in our grief. The mothership, the mother load. There's no getting around that mother means something big. There are so many different kinds of mother, biological, step, figure, and so many different kinds of grief when they're gone. We're here to do what we can in podcast form, welcoming guests so we can explore our experiences together, where they converge and where they vary, and, hopefully, understand a little more about the nuance and scope of The The Mother mother of All Losses. Anna, Anna, how is your grief today, please? Well, as we record, it is March the 24th, which means it is the Thursday before Mother's Day. And um, I would firstly like to say thank you so much because I popped something on Instagram in a slightly uncharacteristic move um, to our mother of all losses, Instagram at TMRLpod, um, to ask what everyone did around Mother's Day or didn't do, actually, as the case may be. And I really actually wanted to share, if you don't mind um, me sharing, some things that people said, because um, it just really helped me kind of clarify why we do this, actually, um, because a lot of people got back to me after I shared these and just said that this is really helpful. So um, if you wouldn't mind. I ignore it and stay well away from social media. It has shifted now, though. I've got a daughter. I try to focus on her instead, like, bring me the drink. I have earned this. Fair enough. Another one. Before my brother had kids, we would have dinner together and kind of ignore why we were doing it. Since then, my dad and I join in the celebration of my brother's wife. My mum died in January, so just when I was acknowledging the world around me again, Mother's Day cards, flowers, etc. were everywhere, so I was thrown in the deep end with that. After the second year, it didn't really bother me as much. I would go as far as saying, I like reminders that mothers exist and can appreciate the mothering I did have. On any of the big days, I take five minutes to myself to think about the influence she'd had on me and what she'd be saying about the current events in my life. She'd never hold back or mince her words, so it's quite easy to picture what she'd say. The only thing that bothers me is when people complain about Mother's Day. I'll read a couple more. Hello! I usually see how I'm feeling on the day, but always try to buy some flowers. Flowers was a really um, common thing, which makes me very happy. I do love flowers. This year, I need to go out on a Sunday to buy a new bag for work. So mum, who loves a handbag slash shopping in general, will definitely be with me in spirit. And the next one. I'm going for a walk with a good friend, also unmothered. We're taking a train from London and probably a picnic to avoid the possibility of stopping at pubs that are capitalising on the holiday. Fingers crossed the weather stays this nice. To be honest, I try to act like it's a normal day. Avoid crappy card shops and social media, even if I'm having a lazy Sunday. I have a lazy Sunday like usual rather than because of Mother's Day. It was hard to do initially, so I've always had something organised on that day. So I can kind of check in on my grief in the run up to it. And lastly, 
It changes every year, but this year I'm going to go for a massive dog walk with a friend, ordering my mum's favourite food on delivery and stuffing my face. I've also ordered flowers to arrive the day before. It's probably weird that I still buy her flowers when she's not here to enjoy them, but I will breathe in the scent and think of her burying her face in the vase every time she passed by. I will also check in with other DMC members, especially those a little bit newer to the club. And putting that out there this week has actually made me and my grief feel more palatable. I am eight and a half years down, so I have had many a Mother's Day without my mum. And it doesn't sting like it used to by any means. And I don't know um, if that might be um, reassuring to people, but I really look forward to spending the time with people that know and that gives me joy. So at the moment, um, my grief doesn't feel too acute like it does and has done around Mother's Day. But right now it just feels, I feel a calm gratitude in that I know what I'm doing with my day. And I would really encourage members of this horrible weird club to have something that they look forward to, be it spending it on your own, ordering yourself flowers, spending it with other members of the Dead Mums Club, or literally kind of actively ignoring it. I think that there's a lot to be said in that. So um, I just really wanted to share that because um, that kind of really puts me where I am with my grief recently because um, I feel very lucky to have had my mum and I feel sad to have lost her but I feel very grateful to have the support that I have around me and the solidarity in the shared experience. Um, so that's how I am. Emily, how is your grief, my love? Ah, oh, well, I just want to comment on how wonderful our mother losses are. Like, it's, it's really refreshing to hear such a range of, um, I guess, tools and techniques for how we deal with it, because I think it just changes from year to year, you know? Um, it does for me anyway. And so often I think with grief, it's deciding whether to distract or like to sort of lean into it and figure out what it is that your grief needs and what you need the most. And it's also only just occurred to me that DMC my brain just went run DMC <laughs> I always think deep meaningful chat from the early noughties oh wow oh that's that's pulling me back through time <laughs> BRB um yeah I am at a spot with my grief where I'm noticing that I'm three and a bit years in that I'm, I feel like I'm starting to get to that point where people will come to me in terms of DMC related matters. And it, and if I feel a bit torn about it because again, it's something where it's like, I'm absolutely no expert. And I don't think any of us, you, know, you don't get qualified in grief. And I do want to be there for people. And I think it's interesting that you say about grief being palatable because I think so much of it is about grief being recognised. I think it's such a 
heavy but invisible thing that we carry and just for someone to see it and hold it is so important and you know I don't think I can ever get tired of hearing people say that fucking sucks I'm really sorry and like the M day hasn't loomed too much for me and I do really like what some of the mother losses were picking up on in terms of like if you've become a mother or there are other mother figures in your life that can be celebrated and that it is as ever complex not a simple day um my tactic this year is I'm going to try flat out ignoring it um because I've just been really stressed this month it's it's one of those things where through partly through uh my little tumble in hospital and other things that are completely without with my control I mean that was also out with my control but you know what I mean um just several deadlines have ended up overlapping over two weeks and you know that thing where you're like how is this happening again I'm I'm 30 fucking two. Why does it feel like my homework's not going to be turned in on time? <laughs> and in a way, I think it's kind of a gift because I haven't been out as much and I haven't been able to, I've been sort of shielded from a lot of the marketing. Obviously it's still all over the internet, but I can kind of quickly scroll past rather than. Are you still off the social media? Then? I am. Yeah. And it's, I I don't I don't think I'm going back it's it's really it is really helpful not to sort of bump up against it and we and we will but on our social media threads we'll do a warning when US Mother's Day comes up because of course we can't do anything uh, in tandem but something that I've really found that I've had to confront myself with this month is how helpful is my grief as fuel for my ambition? Because in terms of like what you and I have spoken about, Anna, quite a lot is, there's nothing quite like uh, death as a motivator, funnily enough. Um, but I think having always had a sort of perfectionist streak and I really like what Brene Brown says about perfectionism being a form of shame like you can't bear to let anyone see like your mistakes because somehow you'll be found out and yada 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 so I really relate to that but then I also think there's another element of it which is like perfectionism from fear and this kind of pressure I'm putting on myself in my life where it's like but Trudes did everything for me and I can't fuck up because what does that mean about her even if she's not here anymore legacy legacy blah 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 but then I had this really odd like <laughs> classic grief thought which is strangely liberating but completely devastating all at once which was well nothing will ever be perfect ever again because my mum's dead <laughs> she, she just won't be here and I thought oh okay that's harrowing but at the same time it sort of helped me balance my motivation and this all but because the thing is is that I also I like I absolutely cannot bear people who push for things where it's like this like concretely this doesn't matter and it's and it's people who I assume because I'm only seeing a certain side of them where I'm just like 
I don't think you've been bereaved or if you are you're putting your energy in the wrong place and I don't know how to help you because everything should be done my way because I'm the only child of a single mother and I'm just like just give it to me I'll do it but I'm trying to find that balance of really feeling like I am like taking up all the space of my life without burning myself out constantly what you're I mean firstly thank you and I love you and secondly it comes back for me what what you're saying is urgency Mm. is that urgency to live and to do and to succeed and to succeed in what we think our mothers would want and to try and live up to what we feel that they would want and I actually really feel like I suffered for that for quite a lot of my career so far my short most my ten in the 10 years really and I think that actually ultimately I really need to remind myself that all my mum ever wanted was for me to be happy and to live well and I have really been trying to bring that into my life recently and thinking success is subjective success is so subjective I work with so many writers and authors and success is so subjective so for one person success might be a Netflix deal for their book and for some person it might be just seeing their work holding their book you know and so I think it's so important to have perspective in what success is for you and I think that when you are bereaved it becomes so warped because you feel like you are living you are living for someone who's will never be able to validate that success right oh 100% And um, I would just like to validate you right now and say that you're wonderful and you are doing wonderfully. And I think that if someone had told me that more in the last few years since my mum had died, I would have done a lot better. And um, please do not push yourself so far that you lose sight of why you are doing what you're doing. I love you. Episode over, done. No. (laughs) Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Mute. Yeah. Uh, we have a wonderful guest. <gasps> I'm excited. I don't even know anything about this guest. Mm, it's going to be a voyage of discovery, Anna. Just you wait. So, Alice Williams, let's talk about loss host and my co host for the sobriety and grief. Let's talk about loss meetup. Alice, how are you? How is your grief today? Hey, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And it's really interesting listening to you both talking about how your grief is. And I really like that question. Um, And to answer your question, yeah, like I'd say I'm doing okay at the minute, actually. Um, And I have been doing pretty well now for a good couple of months. Um, Sorry if you heard that um there was just a ping um so yeah I've been doing pretty well now for a couple of months um probably like the best I have been doing for a very long time so Anna our timelines are really similar my mum also died eight and a half years ago yeah um and at the minute I just sort of feel like I'm pottering through steadily bumbling along 
obviously I'm aware that it is Mother's Day coming up but it's kind of hard to fully avoid it um but I don't find it as painstakingly excruciating anymore um I do feel like I am able to switch off to it a little bit more now and um both of you are mentioning about what you do on Mother's Day and I've always been really rubbish at like I've never been that person to make a really big deal and like honor my mum on that day or on her birthday or on her anniversary. I'm sort of someone who tries to let the day slide by. Um, I think under the surface, you know, everything's bubbling up and feeling feeling really difficult and really tense. But generally speaking, I try and just get by them as smooth sailing as possible. I think that's also completely fair enough and valid. Mm. And I think that so much of grief feels like you should mark everything. It's like we should put, it's like, um, we should have an occasion for every bit of it. Do you know what I mean? But we speak to so many people here and so many people have so many different things that bother them. And it might be their birthday. It might be the mum's birthday. It might be their mum's anniversary. Or it literally might just be none of that and just all the time or not even all the time. And just sometimes when you smell something that smells like her or when you cook something that tastes like they could have cooked it. You know what I mean? I feel like it can be very easy to be quite prescriptive about dates. Um, And I think it's quite refreshing to hear that you're not particularly... I think especially with Mother's Day. Um, so I also do have a dead dad as well. Um, and I don't know if you knew that or not. Emily did. Um, yeah, so I'm and it's, it's gonna be really interesting actually trying to like focus on my mum today. And when I sort of had the question sent over and was like looking at them, I was thinking, like, wow, like, you know, my grief is really different. And I think so because I have Mother's Day, Father's Day, two birthdays and two anniversaries when my dad died I kind of had to make the decision that Mother's Day and Father's Day couldn't have that much of an impact on me anymore because otherwise you literally spend the whole year littered with all these dates so they felt like the easiest ones to just like cull um so that's sort of like my mentality with like Mother's Day and Father's Day um also I've got one of my best friends became a mum in November she gave birth to a little boy and then I've got three friends all due in the same week in May which is just madness and they're all first-time mums and I think that has been a really nice focus this year and I've been tempted to uh, perhaps like get them a card or something and I've sent flowers to my grandma but other than that I just try and keep it yeah pretty pretty low maintenance. (laughs) I love that and I think it's so it's so healthy and I really admire the cull because and Anna and I have mentioned this before like you say those dates are all over the year and we don't manufacture grief but we also have to live ourselves and being like okay my grief can come as an you know it's an open door policy with my grief it can come as and when it wants but I'm not gonna like not gonna do it in the sort of like Victorian style all in black mourning all the time oh Alice you'd never be out of black Khan. <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> just as I get out of black, get back into it again. <laughs> when did your dad die, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so mum died in 2013 and then dad died five years later in 2019. And it, it really plays like a huge role actually into like my grief for my mum and like my grief story. And obviously over the last few days, I've been like thinking about it in my head quite a lot and like going over it in my head quite a lot. And um, I guess when my dad died, he sort of top trumped my mum's grief. <laughs> um, so he sort of did take over massively. And also, it's, so it's sort of really difficult for me to try and think about how I would feel about my mum now if my dad was still alive, you know, would my grief be more prominent still? Um, I don't know. And so now, mum feels like so long ago now you know dad feels really present still he feels he feels really present and you know as as we talk on this episode I can sort of explain some more about mum and and the feelings I have around her but for example my sister thinks of my mum and dad together whereas like my mum feels like an old grief and like my dad feels like a new grief um so yeah it's very very different so Alice Please, could you tell us your mum's name and a little bit about how your mum lived? Yeah, so my mum's name was Kathy with a, with a C. <laughs> um, Kathy with a C, and she she lived. I'd say like quite a fulfilling life if I were to think of it myself. Um, I mean, like the, the way that I remember my mum and actually one thing that I did like feel like I had to mention as well is I do actually really struggle with like clear memories of my mum. I was 17 when she died and I think just, so she died very, very suddenly that she went to bed when I died. And I think like the shock, the trauma and then all that stuff like my memories of her are just like so far and few between and that's really difficult sometimes and sometimes that brings up like a real element of guilt of like why can't I remember this woman who literally birthed me and raised me for 17 years and sometimes when I think about that I almost feel like she's looking down on me like how dare you not remember me I mean obviously I do remember her but I feel like quite often people talk about their mums or their person so clearly and it's quite difficult for me to do that because it's just like I don't have clear memories but she was um very emotional very loving um very caring very nurturing um she wanted to help everyone uh, anyone who had a problem she would have time for them um, no matter what she was going through herself she'd always have time she was a massive community person um, so like growing up she was always involved in like our schools um, she volunteered at the library she helped at her friend's business you know when we were children like babies she ran baby groups and like breastfeeding groups and she was like very community driven um and actually something that you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast that made me think of my mum and also myself is that I think we're both people who consider like we're not necessarily success driven and I think 
to me and probably to my mum too, like being a person of value is really important. And I'm not saying that those two things like can't like coincide like at all, because obviously they completely can. But like, for example, my dad was very successful. He had a really good career and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas my mum dibbled and dabbled in bits of volunteering and community work, didn't have a career, but she was like a person of so much value. And I think actually after my dad died, I did a bit of a reassessment of my energy and stuff like that. And to me, like work was something that I didn't feel my energy was needed in. And I wanted to put my energy into, yeah, people and like my volunteering work and my friends and only certain friends and not other friends. So, yeah, I think like my mum was like a huge person of value. Alice, thank you so much for sharing that so um, beautifully about Kathy, who sounds like an absolute pillar of the community. Um, I'm so struck by how it must be to lose a parent so suddenly. And I think this is something we've we've asked uh, we asked we've asked guests before in terms of sudden death and maybe more prolonged death. If you, you know, how do you feel that that, I don't know, like, do you, this is not really a question, but do you have, do you kind of wish that you knew it was going to happen? Or I just can't imagine that suddenness. Yeah, so I totally understand. And it's like definitely something that I think about and that um, it is just like one of those questions that you do think about, I guess. Um, and my dad also <laughs> collapsed in his home. So I've, I've had two very sudden deaths. Um, and I guess for me, there's like an element of, with my mum, I, so she was 49 when she died. When she died, she was who she was, you know, she was happy, she was healthy, she was um, full of life and colour and you know all the amazing things I never had to watch her suffer you know I never had to watch her get really poorly and I know for lots of my friends who have had to watch their parents or you know whoever it is that they've lost die through illnesses that experience has almost been like just as bad as the death itself but then on the other hand on like the flip side of it, when somebody just dies and you just get a phone call saying this person is dead, there is a huge shock element in that. And I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, when someone has got an illness, you aren't shocked. That's completely not what I'm saying. But when somebody is just alive and then they're dead, it is very shocking. And like the aftermath of it is a lot. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm glad I never had to watch her get ill, but also it would have been nice to maybe know, or I guess just have some more time. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Um, how resilient you must be to have dealt with that, not just once, but two times over is incredible. And thank you so much for coming on because I know that this will be a really important discussion for other people to hear as well, Alice. I would love to hear a story about Kathy. 
Yeah, so that's really funny, actually. So as I as I mentioned, like my memories and stuff of my mum aren't great. And like when I got this question through, I sat there thinking to myself, I was like, oh, you know, like what could I, what could I say? And I was like sat there for ages, really trying to think about um a uh, uh, story that was my mum. And I think I can't remember the wording that was used, but like, you know, it could be poignant or funny or and the only story I could think of, um, and I messaged my sister saying, like, I'm going on this podcast and I've been asked this question about mum. And this is the only story I can think of. Like, is this one going to be OK? And she just laughed and said, yeah. So my mum, over the years, like her weight fluctuated like quite a lot. Um, she loved like food and eating and, and cooking and, you know, something that I really love to. There was a certain time, we were all quite young, I'm one of four, we were all quite young. We were at a um, a theme park thing called Poulton's Park. Um, and my mum was on the Atkins diet, which is like a no carb diet at all. It's like, you know, no potato, no bread, no pasta. Um, it's basically... I guess the equivalent to sort of like ketos type diets like these days and I don't know <laughs> what it was that set her off but as I mentioned she was like very emotional um yeah very very emotional and she basically just burst into tears when we were there and then went and got herself a tuna baguette and a portion of chips and was like fuck the diet <laughs> it was like crying into this like bread and chips and that is literally the only story I could think of of my mum but it was like it's very hard you know there was like tears involved um, it's also quite funny and yeah so that is my story <laughs> such a wonderful story because I adore stories of people coming back to the carb side so deeply and also, Alice, the thing that's like blown my mind and, and Anna will have seen me sort of do a big <gasps> shocked emoji style face. Trudes and I had season tickets to Poulton's Park. For the benefit of the listener and me, what is it? It's off the hour roundabout near the garage. Near Southampton. <laughs> In Hampshire. And uh, the mascot is an owl and it's a hoot. Uh, there's some really dubious like exhibits about the local sort of Roma community and they did not call them Romas and I'm not going to use that word um but there was also like panning for gold oh many a happy time with with Trudes at Poulton's Park so maybe we even crossed paths Alice back in the day which has been wild um but, but Trudes refused to go on like any of the rides with me because she just hated them um not even the teacups and I didn't want to go on my own that's the same as my mum mum wouldn't go on the teacups either my dad hates the teacups <laughs> they're, they're the worst actually because I'm constantly moving from side to side it's not like oh okay I can see that we're going up and down or whatever you're just like that's the really nauseating one but I love that and a tuna baguette and chips what a fantastic combo yes yeah definitely mum like one of her favorite things to eat was a jacket potato she just loved a jacket potato and in fact <laughs> When she died, this is really weird. You know when like people, someone dies and the people just say really weird things. I remember like not long after she died, bearing in mind my mum and dad had been married for like twenty five years. They were very much in love, and like it was very very sad that she died. 
and my dad very soon after she died I, I can't remember how soon it was but I want to say within like a week he goes oh well at least I never have to eat a fucking jacket potato again <laughs> and it was just like you know one of these things <laughs> you know when you have to sort of make some sort of joke in these like desperately dark times um and then weirdly enough I did find out he ate a jacket potato about a week before he died and I reckon it could have been what killed him off <laughs> you know well, maybe that was her legacy maybe that was her legacy um Alice um I have a kind of sub question um you mentioned that you were one of four where do you sit in the one of four and how have or haven't you grieved together for your parents um so I'm the youngest and um I'm but I'm also a twin but my twin is seven minutes older than me and he actually lives with me now um he's sort of going to live with me on a temporary basis but it's been nearly two years now (laughs) (laughs) but that that's actually fine I you know I do like having him close um and me and Harry so Harry actually applied for university like the week after mum died and he went off to uni um, less than a year after after she died. So he was up in Liverpool, which is like the other end of the country to me. Um, for the first few years. And then he kind of, yeah, he came, yeah, I guess so in the past couple of years, me and Harry talk about grief on quite a practical level rather than like a really like emotional level so say for example we might sort of have a little bit of a moan about our mates complaining about their parents or something like that because obviously we are the same age we've had the same loss um but yeah emotion wise not really don't really get into it that much um and then I've got an older brother who is estranged so yeah he's not really part of the journey and then I've got an older sister um and she has got three children herself and I think for her like mum was we've spoken about this before like mum was her person you know like her her grief for mum is so strong and like so powerful and you know it was like the two of them whereas mine is probably like dad was my person and I think because obviously because I was 17 when mum happened we hadn't had the chance to get out of that like child adult relationship it was still quite like mother and um, obviously always mother and daughter but you know what I mean like we didn't really get to develop that relationship um whereas my sister I think she was like 24 so obviously still very very young to be losing a parent but they had you know she'd had her first baby my mum taught her how to breastfeed they were like best mates they'd sort of become into that different stage so yeah me and my sister talk about it a fair amount but also where she is a mum like it's not always really convenient for her to talk about it because she's got three children to look after (laughs) um so I would say like as a family we're actually pretty rubbish at talking about our grief um together yeah and I've definitely had to lean on sort of like support groups charities um finding other bereaved friends free charities like that's definitely my main support hub because I think grieving as a family is so difficult because you're all so different and you'll feel and think different things absolutely 
Absolutely. Um, I'd really like to ask um, you, Alice, and you, Emily, because I know that you um, you met via um, Let's Talk About Loss, which um, we've spoken about before and is such an amazing charity and amazing incentive. So I'd like to talk about that in terms of what worked and what didn't work about your grief and about how you guys have linked through your sobriety. Emily, do you want to kick it off? <laughs> No, why not, Alice? Well, thank you, Anna, for asking as well, because it's probably not the most um, immediate kind of connection that I think people would make between sobriety and grief, but the general uh, structure of Let's Talk About Loss is to create a Let's Talk About Loss chapter. You need two co-hosts. And I emailed Beth, of course, a former guest of our our here podcast, saying, oh, you know, I, I wonder if like, I don't know, maybe like something where it's a place where people talk about sobriety or substances and grief and that sort of, how they relate. And Beth went, oh, I know, Alice. And Alice went, yeah, absolutely. So God bless you, Alice, for your, um, just your immediate enthusiasm and willing, because, I think I personally have realized kind of over the past few months, like I've, I, I identify as an alcoholic. I've always drunk alcoholically, but there was something about the boundlessness of grief that then just meant any sort of limit I had with alcohol was eroded and it's culturally accepted and even sort of, you know. Encouraged. Encouraged and facilitated. And again, this isn't to judge anyone for their behavior, but it was more that we wanted to create a non-judgmental space to talk about the relationship between these things because fundamentally I think grief is still quite countercultural, and so is sobriety. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm going quite hard in on making other people uncomfortable. <laughs> Purely from my own experience of being myself and doing what I need to do to stay healthy and sane. Um, and it's growing. Like the response has been really heartening. And I definitely think I'm coming to a new place in my grief by coming to it completely sober. Alice, how about you? Yeah, um, no, you spoke really well then, Emily. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm really grateful that you came up with the idea initially. And I think for me, like, let's talk about loss. I didn't actually discover let's talk about loss till dad died. So I somehow went through the first five years of my grief with my mum, just like on my own. I didn't really know what I was doing or who I was talking to or how I survived it. But let's talk about loss has been like an absolute lifeline for me and I think pretty much as soon as I found the charity and went along to one of the meets and then we went into lockdown so I was going to virtual meets and then I've been hosting now for a couple of years and um the people that I've met through let's talk about loss and the people that I've met through the wider grief community you know they've just absolutely changed my life because I feel like that is an outlet for my grief you know I don't have to worry about talking to my friends who don't get it I don't have to worry about any of that stuff because there's this whole world of people out there who get it and who are there to talk to you and who are there to be there for you um 
yeah and then so the sobriety sort of side of things I think like it's just it was just a huge coping mechanism for me you know like drinking and partying and that was just how I coped for well I've just been sober over a year so you know like seven years of my grief and it just wasn't healthy you know and I think for so long I tried to just bargained with myself about like moderating and like all that stuff and I just it's just so tiring and it's just so difficult and for me the only way to completely like stop drinking alcohol was to stop drinking alcohol you know like it had to go and like Emily you and also my dad was an alcoholic so (laughs) sort of made sense for me to stop drinking because it literally killed him but sidetrack anyway I think I think and I think I see it so much in people, you know, you, you two mentioned like it's encouraged, it's facilitated. Um, and like, you know, I get it now all the time when I actually really struggle to talk about my dad being an alcoholic and I, I don't talk about it at all. Um, and the amount of people that sort of say, raise a glass to your dad on his anniversary and birthday. And I'm like, oh my God, that is the stuff that, bloody killed him like I'm not raising anything to him like I will never raise a glass to my parents ever ever again because I just it is just so toxic like it's just so toxic and I think when you're in that zone when you're drinking and drinking all the time and you're going out and yeah crying to strangers you think you're dealing with it and you think you're processing it but you're absolutely not like you couldn't be further from processing it and like Emily said it is a completely different grief when you're sober because it sounds so so cheesy but like becoming sober you feel the lowest of lows but you also feel the absolute highest of highs like I am not joking when I say that I cry with happiness most mornings when I'm walking my dog like (laughs) because it just feels so beautiful and like so pure and everything is just unfiltered there isn't like some murky lens um making the picture unclear it is just clear and raw and it is reality and some of it is really fucking painful but some of it is really beautiful and I (laughs) like if I'd have said to myself two years ago I was going to stop drinking like I just wouldn't believe it but you know now I will never ever drink alcohol again like ever just won't that is amazing and inspiring actually and and as someone that drinks but isn't alcoholic like I think that I actually think it's really important for me to right now kind of put my head above the parapet uh parapet parapet (laughs) the parrot I'm going to put my head above the parrot and say um that I have definitely used alcohol as a crutch in my grief oh my god a million times and the moment that I stopped doing that was when my best friend said to me why are you drinking if you're not having fun and I remember that exact moment and I thought yeah and now I will only drink if I'm having fun and if I want to I will not drink because I'm sad and that and I'm not alcoholic I come from a family of alcoholic but I had a I had a kind of real moment in my mid twenties and I was and it got to a head and after that I've never drunk in the same way because I then was drinking to cope and drinking to survive 
and people would ply me with booze because that was the way that they could deal with me and my grief because it made it easier for them too and I think that people do that too they don't know what to do when you're grieving so they say let's go for a drink um, which is definitely one thing you could say it doesn't need to be alcoholic you know and I think that that is kind of where the difference is for me now is that um do you think I'm for the benefit of the listener I'm wearing a hoodie up and I just thought I'd stick my ears out mm-hmm. for a bit of light entertainment so I look like a cute elf um also like my dad when I do this which is really weird <laughs> no I just want to say that um that I do drink but I do think that it's very important when you're grieving to remember why mm. um, it's very very easy to get caught up in drinking as an uh, using grief as an excuse for drinking and I just know from my own personal experience and I'm sure you guys can agree that it will basically get you absolutely nowhere and will not make you feel good at all completely and it's it's kind of I often feel that as well-meaning as the let me take you for a drink again asterisk can be any sort of beverage um, offer is I often feel that it's it can be a kind of, oh, this will numb you. And and it, it, it's trying to get someone to stop talking by like, <laughs> out. and it's, it's no judgment and, and learning the difference between judgment and concern. And I think that's, what's really beautiful that your friend was able to say to you at that point, and just be like, I, I fundamentally don't understand this. And also I'm just like, I, I don't understand you normal drinkers. <laughs> I had something like that the other day actually I was listening to a podcast because you do you do worry when you drink you know when you've had a few too many the night before and and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I work by myself and obviously I want to feel like I have friends and it was saying oh if I wasn't alcoholic I'd drink every day and I'd love it and I was thinking oh oh okay yeah no that's a big difference you know what I mean because you don't have that luxury because alcoholism is a disease. And I think that people throw it around very flippantly. Like they throw around things like ADHD and autism and um, OCD, etc. But it's a fucking disease, man. We need to take, be serious about it. Thank you, love. It's it's such a pernicious thing. And I, I think what you said, Alice, as well, about your dad, and there's still such shame and stigma attached to death from alcoholism as well. And I think there's just a complete lack of compassion because I think the paradox of alcoholism is this idea of like, oh, it's so othering. It's such survivorship bias because it's essentially saying that person chose to keep drinking or, and it's like, no, you need, you need help. You need support as you do with any other disease. And it's, it makes me sad when I hear about people like your dad, Alice and and other people who've been bereaved. I know. And like through alcoholism where, when people share that that's kind of part of that person's death, that other people will then just, their empathy just switches off. Yeah, I did actually host another meet, which was specifically for people who'd lost someone to drugs and alcohol because of that stigma. But also, if you don't mind me just adding quickly onto that subject, I think um, you sort of mentioned about like the drinking when you're sad thing and, you know, and that those sort of feelings. And I think for so long, I just played this victim, like, oh, poor little sad me, both my parents are dead, I'm just going to drink. And actually, 
you know it's all very well using it as an excuse but like you do have to take a step back and realize you are literally pouring an addictive substance down your throat and like anybody can get addicted like if you drink enough alcohol enough you will get addicted to it like nobody is above that like and nobody is like below that like it is literally a scientific fact that it is an addictive substance and I think for me especially where both my parents died so suddenly for so long I just felt so out of control um I think it has been really powerful stopping drinking alcohol because that has been like the ultimate control (laughs) like stopping drinking has just helped me gain control and not only has it helped me feel in control by making that choice like so like I choose to not drink alcohol like saying that statement is so powerful um it also helps you control so many other things that you cannot do when you're drinking but yeah I just wanted to say as well as Emily has said I don't judge drinkers at all you know this is like my personal choice and like my personal views and personal feelings um yeah if you can drink moderately and safely go for it (laughs) and that's something that we emphasize a lot in our shared group is that we're not a place only for sober people like oh yeah it's it's a place for people to be able to without judgment share yeah yeah yeah. oh I think maybe I'm drinking too much or I'm going to an event how can I not drink I'm taking a break like you know all those things yeah and in fact I think we had more drinkers than non-drinkers on the call um so yeah yeah it's really important to be talking about these things that clearly shows what a safe space both of you have provided um I would love to know Alice what haven't we asked you that you'd like to talk about about your grief oh that's a really good question um I guess I would actually quite like to talk about like connectivity and connection to the person that you've lost and and it was actually something you mentioned at the beginning of the episode very briefly was about smells (laughs) And I think because, like I said, like I don't have really like clear memories of like my mum. And I think sometimes, and I, or the other thing, I don't have any photos of like the two of us. I just don't have any other than when I was a child. And I find that really difficult sometimes. I'm like, why didn't I take more photographs? And I think for me, like connecting with my mum, I do that through um, cooking and stuff like that and I was thinking to myself earlier like if I were to picture my mum now um I would just picture her like in the kitchen at my old house cooking something um she loved yeah she loved cooking for people and we always sit around a dining room table and like talk and chat and eat and that was just so amazing and like I love doing that now um she used to make really nice chocolate brownies which I make now sometimes when I'm feeling particularly sad and she used to drink Earl Grey tea which again the smell is like so so nice like I'm not I don't I'm not a tea drinker really but I will just sit and make a cup of Earl Grey and sit and smell it (laughs) and um I just think like the power of connection can look so different for so many different people and how their grief looks if that makes sense so yeah I just wanted to share that little bit about connecting to your loved ones in in however you want to do that oh that's so beautiful and I think there's something about like cooking is such a ritual and and like 
tea as well. And I think there are these moments to sort of like, I, I love the idea of making a cup of tea and not drinking it. Truth, truth was mad for Earl Grey as well. And like, it is such a distinctive citrusy, but still that kind of like, mm tea sort of smell and I find I think I was saying on an earlier episode like how in terms of trying to find something healthier to change my mood externally I found aromatherapy hugely helpful Mm. in the same way as like music taste and smell kind of can override particularly for me what I'm feeling but I think that motherly relationship as well like so much is smell like some of my like clearest memories of of truths when I was very young was of like her perfume or like the certain like face cream she used and all these kinds of things and I love that you say that that idea of connectivity because the connection doesn't go it, it it just ends up being very one way. But Earl Grey always smells the same. Chocolate brownies are always going to be as delicious as they as they were. And I think that kind of integrity, coherence is really comforting. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really beautiful. And I'm definitely gonna when I'm finally in your neck of the woods, I'm I'm gonna ask for some chocolate brownies, please. Yeah, do it. You know you can post then. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. Alice, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for telling us about Kathy. You have been so empathetic and insightful and informative. And I feel really honored to have spent this last hour with you. So thank you. That's okay, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been really interesting to try and like focus on my mum um for the past few days leading up to this thinking oh my god it's all I can say is about a tuna sandwich and a bag of chips but it's been really nice to sort of have that time to reflect and think about her and honor her especially in the lead up to Mother's Day (laughs) absolutely oh Alice thank you it's been such a pleasure and I think I know exactly what I'm having for lunch tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stuff my face with a jacket potato and I'm going to think of your mum. Because it's one of my favourite foods. Jacket potatoes make me cry because they make me feel like a child. As long as it doesn't kill you, guys. <laughs> you can have, like, if I put a bit of beans and tuna, a bit of cheese, like, it's good energy, right? Yeah. Oh, all, all your classic. It, if it fits your macros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mother of All Losses podcast. This episode was produced by Chris Thorburn. Music by Kane Aris, who can be found at Atom Collection 2 on SoundCloud. With huge thanks to Hannah Trevathan. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on themotheroforlosses at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, take care of yourselves and your grief.